You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. This is a new podcast combining discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back to this week's episode of Distilling Theology. Justin, how you doing, brother? I am smitten by mosquitoes. You? <laughs> uh, I'm sunburned because finally it's not been cold, rainy, and cloudy. And in the providence of God, we have had beautiful, sunny, summer-like days for the last three days. So I have been outside constantly uh, soaking up the rays and my Scottish Dutch heritage um, makes me turn red. Despite the the weird hue, for whatever reason, this angle I got here, I look really red in this video. I'm not right now. It's just whatever but only the patrons will know yeah that's true (laughs) but um you could too (laughs) uh, but because of my uh, very dutch and irish heritage i can relate i turn pink during the summer and then i go back to pale so it's great that's that's rough times uh we did did a thing this weekend Uh, did we we did uh do tell it was it was interesting because it started as kind of a spontaneous idea that happened while we were live recording and we were like, mm-hmm. Hey, we should do this. We definitely didn't just come up with this on the fly, but we definitely did. And that yeah. was our live episode that we just recorded this past Friday, uh, May 1st. Awesome. And dude, I like, I thought it would be fun. And I, you know, we, we got the giveaway in there cause we wanted people to be involved, but I was sure. not prepared for mm-hmm. the level of engagement that we actually got, which was amazing. 500 ish comments. It was amazing. For real, dude. I was, that was great. I loved it. And I was not totally prepared, especially considering how kind of last second ish we, well, the thing is like, we, we, like we were prepared to like talk about some subject of some kind. Sure. uh, But it literally became like a live Q and a, which was really cool. Um, Something that I think probably folks will want more of in the future. And so like the more personal that we can be like, because we're normal dudes. Are we? We just want to be, We're dudes. <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> we affirm. Ontologically speaking, this is correct. <laughs> so it's good because it it it's like I don't know. It just kind of breaks down that barrier between like yeah. we're just like having fun here and like yeah. we want to be hanging out with you guys. Right. So it was really cool. It was really really neat to to spend the time. It's like when the podcasting meme of like the guy sitting next to a mural of people laughing and he's laughing with them. It's like, it goes from that to that. But instead of a mural, the guy's on the other side of a glass <laughs> and he's like, Hey, good joke, bro. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. that wasn't so Justin, um, what other exciting news do we have? Uh, well, uh, first of all, we want to mention again, we, uh, have become part of the society of reform podcasters, which is awesome. You can grab that mega feed at reformpodcasts.com. Um, mentioned this last week, make sure you put the S on the end right? Uh, so you don't end up at the very wrong website. Um, <laughs> uh, these are doctrinally sound podcasts from a reformed perspective. Uh, show uh, Shows like Fast God Stuff, Reformed Pilgrims, Reformed Brotherhood. And our recommendation this week 
The Bavcast? Bobcast. Bobcast, yeah. Bavcast. Which is which is one of I mean, <laughs> I, I still think that distilling theology is probably the best podcast name. However, it's uh, true. I do have to give a lot of credit to Bobcast because that's just epic. Like Though by by nature of the name, they have in some form limited themselves to topical Sure. Stuff. Well, yes, but actually no, because yeah. I, you you say limited to Bavink. They've spent like three episodes just on the first chapter of Wonderful yeah. Works of God. Yeah. And that doesn't even touch the four volume reform dogmatics. So, I mean, they could be doing it for the rest of their lives if they wanted to. But no, seriously, Bavcast is um, a great show, Super especially good. if you're Super reading good. through Wonderful Works of God. I really enjoyed that extra level of discussion uh, earlier today. Who else today. is reading through wonderful works of God right now, Blake? Oh, it's weird you should ask that. The Distilling Theology Reading Group that I tag every time <laughs> I see someone post that book, um, mostly because, and, I, and you know, it's got some memes about that, but the reason uh, genuinely is because we really enjoy the discussion and the conversations yeah, that happen uh, on our weekend Zoom calls where people come in and we all just talk through what we've been reading and how that chapter has impacted us. So we're going through one chapter a week. We just finished up chapter four this week. Uh, so moving right along and it's good stuff, man. Uh, but so, oh. <laughs> we, we did uh, do that live episode. We did. And it happened. Uh, the reason that you're all there, it's not because we're cool, but it's because we're giving away free stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bernie. <laughs> we are once again asking for your financial support. No, um, we, <laughs> that's, that's later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're giving away, uh, we're giving away some stuff. And at some point during this episode, could be right Ooh. now, we are going to announce the winners of that giveaway. Ooh. Um, Blake for the patrons, uh, you can actually show them what we're giving away. You know, right who is now, maybe horribly unprepared <laughs> for this. Uh, I've already shown it a bunch of times. And I'm going to show we have everyone's yes. a theologian by Dr. R.C. Sproul. This is my copy, but there is a sealed copy sitting in a box getting ready. Like, that's the problem is I'm packaging it up uh, so that we can ship out the giveaway. We also have the field guide <laughs> to whiskey um, by Hans Afringer. And we are giving away a distilling theology Glencairn glass. So, yeah, boy, we will announce that at some point during this episode. Yeah. So stay, stay tuned. tuned. Stay tuned. It could be now. Could be could be right now. What is now, Justin? <laughs> what is time but a chain a measure? What a relative question. Actually, well, yes, but actually no. Uh right. <laughs> not to not to jump too far into uh our topic tonight yet. Uh we're, we're but there is an interesting point uh that I heard quoted from a, a lecture by Dr. James Dolezal, where he talked about time basically being like what is time? Time is just a measure of changes of state right like so um we measure a di an hour well an hour is 124th a rotation of the earth it's just a, a a fraction of a measure of a change in state right uh what is a, a day a day is 1365th 366th ish of a rotation of the earth around the sun like all it is is a, is a measure of change of states and when we get into the doctrine of divine immutability or the the unmoved mover or the changeless uh eternity of god <laughs> um uh you will see yeah, why boy. that's relevant but we'll come back to that in discussions of time later what are we sipping tonight and how did we come to choose this delicious dram i am very excited uh, our patrons uh we always uh, not always but often we will give 
<laughs> give them a uh, a list of uh, uh, whiskeys that we're interested in sipping. And so they chose for us Glendronic 15 year tawny port finish, which I'm very excited about. It smells delicious. Uh, it was obviously produced by the Glendronic Distillery uh, in eastern Scottish Highlands. Mm. Sorry, I'm just giving it a sniff. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Blake, tell us a little bit more about this particular scotch. Sure. So Glendronic, this is from the World Atlas of Whiskey on page 120. I finally just wrote it in the show notes, so I didn't have yeah. to hold the massive book <laughs> the whole time. Um, but it is a great, it's a great resource. But it says Glendronic was privately owned from 1826 until 1960 when it became part of Teachers, which was a blending house. Uh, that also owned the nearby distillery Ardmore. Uh, and Glendronic remained a whiskey that was primarily distilled just to end up in blends until it was bought in 2006 by, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce this one, actually. Ben Chiach. I'm going to leave that one to you. Uh, and now the focus for Glendronic is almost entirely on single malt whiskeys. So this one, yeah. obviously, it's 15 years old. It's aged in uh, European oak casks, and then it's moved into tawny port casks, for the finish that's going to impart some very specific fruity and nutty notes this expression this particular variation of glendronic was launched in 2011 and uh one thing that i like about the glendronic distillery is that they label on here non-chill filtered and natural color it is bottled at 92 proof or 46 percent alcohol by volume and uh i finished the last little so I, I set up these sample glasses so Justin and I can taste and it kind of helps to reduce oxidization. Um, my brother and I finished up the last of this tonight and, uh, oh man, it's good. It is so good. I'm super excited. Yeah, boy. Now I have kind of amber colored lights in here, so this isn't going to be a totally accurate picture, but I am seeing, sure. well, actually I'll hold it up against the bright white of my screen, which also gives a chance for Patreon to see the glass. Um, yeah, here's stuff uh, for the patrons. This is the old glass versus the new glass. The laser etched is what I have, and Blake has the sandblasted glass. Yeah, we're just trying to the methods. one that we ended up going with. Yeah, we want to make sure that we're getting the best quality um, product. And I love the laser engraved ones. I just like the way that this yeah. logo shows up a little more prominently here. So I'm getting like this nice, rich amber color yeah. to this. Uh, kind of like in Jurassic Park when they find that mosquito. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like that. That's right. These guys, oh, this is cool. So on the actual bottle or the, the bottling, it says, the appearance is prominent rose wine hue built around a light copper orange core. So that's a lot more detailed than me saying amber-ish. No, that's right, though. It is, yeah, it's it's uh, it's beautiful. Oh, man, it smells good. It smells, like, it smells like almond and coconuts. And like... I get berries. Yeah, freshly cut wood and berries. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like like up at our camp uh, in the summer, we often have uh, fresh a, wood. Yeah, I also get a little bit of nutmeg, oh, just like the faintest okay. yeah, faintest touch yeah. of nutmeg. There's like a little bit of honey, a mm-hmm. little bit of spice. Yeah, I think the spice is the nutmeg, and I think the um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and there's so much. There's a little bit of of like orange peel kind of running through the middle of the scent. This is one of my favorite things about uh, the whole process of whiskey tasting is just how much you can glean when you spend more than you know two seconds with the glass obviously we both let this sit uh, the general rule of thumb which i totally butchered in the live episode is one minute in the glass for every year in the cask so this is a 15 year old whiskey so you want to let it sit for about 15 minutes in the glass to yeah. uh because if you just pour this and drink it 
it's still going to be good, but you're not going to feel the same value out of it. It's one of those things where I think a lot of people are used to drinking crap hmm. for, for whiskeys. And so sure. their idea of drinking whiskey is either taking shots or pouring it in and throwing a fat ice cube in there and just chugging it. And it's like, if you actually let it sit and you, you sip it slowly and you enjoy the process, you smell it's a totally different experience, yeah. entirely different. hundred percent. So take your time, That's enjoy right. it. Don't destroy your liver and do things that we don't approve of. That's right. We, we do not <laughs> affirm uh, those practices. Again, this kind of comes back to the whole concept here is like, the process of tasting and enjoying whiskey is very similar to the process of exegeting a passage in that you want to spend time with it. And, and the sure. more time you spend with it, the more depth it will give you and the more you will discover the true character and context of it. And also, if you get other historical background, it helps to give you even more clarity. And then when you read these tasting notes, it's like, you know, reading, you know, some of the great theologians or the confessions where you're getting another clear historic perspective and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I can I can see that now. Like I can yeah. um, where before maybe it wasn't so clear. Like that's how I, I got better at whiskey tasting. That's how I continue to grow is mm -hmm. reading notes and seeing other people's notes. Uh, All right. Enough yeah. speaking. I want this inside of my mouth. I was just going to read the uh, the <laughs> nose from Glendronic as they describe it. Ooh, let's see yes. how let's see how you see this. Uh, I don't even know what these first what this first thing is. Stewed damsons and plum cons conserve, raisins, sultanas, and fine grand cru chocolate provide a lovely depth and structure. Ooh. Those are all words. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You are correct. They are indeed they're, they're certainly all words. words. <laughs> I do see the raisins and the cocoa now. And the plums too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think I think we were already kind of in that neighborhood though with the type like we sure. I was talking orange peel, you were talking different citrus and nuttiness, and I still think those are I still think that's all in there, but it's just like more specific descriptors. All right, I'm we've 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 dragged this out long enough. Cheers. Let's go. Oh man, man, that's good. Wow. Oh, I there's get, like I get strawberries, bro. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say raspberries. Fresh berry, like either you know, like fresh summer yeah, berries yeah, that you yeah, pick yeah. when you're hiking. There's also like like espresso beans yeah. and like toffee apples. I get a little bit of like almost like vanilla There's... cake or like okay. a like like a you know what I mean? Not not just like vanilla extract. Like a, al not... Almost like a vanilla latte or something like that. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Basically what we're trying to say is this is the eschatological equivalent of how postmillennialism uh, interprets <laughs> the end times. If you were to, if this drink was an eschatological view, it would be, it would be uh, optimistic post mill. It's me. <laughs> it's me. But seriously, this is, this is like, if this is what, uh, you know, some, some version of, of flowing with milk and honey tastes like, uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ooh, well, oh boy. <laughs> RIP. Oh man, this is amazing. Boy, that's good. This is there's there's like a weird blend of like sweetness and almost like a coffee leftover feel and taste in your mouth, almost like like I've had a sweet coffee. Yeah, I also get um, I do taste that nutmeg, sure spice in the back. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying about the coffee, like that kind of tartness with 
um, that earthiness. Yeah. Super mouthwatering. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. That's really do you good. Want, do you want to hear their uh, very Scottish description? Yeah, I do. You know I So do. they say, uh, the palate is fruit shortcake drenched in vanilla custard with a scattering of dried figs, dates, and wild strawberries. I knew it. Smooth tannins and lightly as- light acidity highlight a wonderfully long finish. I'm s- my mouth is still watering. <laughs> I don't like to. Um, a fruit-laden whiskey to enliven the taste buds is what they describe the finish as. But yeah, dude, that's... Yeah. We actually kind of hit almost all those notes just in slightly different terms, but we basically got all of those points. That's good. Wow. Seriously, that is that is top notch. Well, thank you guys for tuning right in. There. Just <laughs> nothing. Uh, nothing. Speaking of um, speaking of uh, patrons voting for the whiskey, <laughs> we <laughs> we got some we, new yeah, patrons. We got some new patrons, and we want to we want to shout out you guys. Uh, we have uh, new to the team: yeah. uh, Joshua, Jake, Chuck, Ty, Josh, Matthew, Thomas, Andrew. That sounds almost. Well, uh, Apostolic. <laughs> you could. Are they our patron saints? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it just rolled off. I the didn't tongue. see that one coming. <laughs> oh, you didn't. <laughs> see how it feels. Oh, Blake. Uh, do you want to open us with prayer this week we in the Valley of Vision? We need it. We're going to be opening uh, this week's Valley of Vision is titled The Great Discovery, and it's on page 112. Glorious God, I bless thee that I know thee. I once lived in the world, but was ignorant of its creator, was partaker of thy providences, but knew not the provider, was blind while enjoying the sunlight, was deaf to all things spiritual, with voices all around me, understood many things, but had no knowledge of thy ways, saw the world but did not see Jesus only. O happy day, when in thy love's sovereignty thou didst look on me and call me by grace. Then did the dead heart begin to beat, the darkened eye glimmer with light, the dull ear catch thy echo, and I turned to thee and found thee, a God ready to hear, willing to save. Then did I find my heart at enmity to thee, vexing thy spirit, Then did I fall at thy feet and hear thee thunder. The soul that sinneth, it must die. But when grace made me know thee and admire a God who hated sin, thy terrible justice held my will submissive. My thoughts were then as knives cutting my head. Then didst thou come to me in silken robes of love. And I saw thy son dying that I might live. And in that death I found my all. My soul doth sing at the remembrance of that peace. The gospel cornet brought, at a, brought a sound unknown to me before that reached my heart. And I lived never to lose my hold on Christ or his hold on me. Grant that I may always weep to the praise of mercy found. And tell to others as long as I live that thou art a sin-pardoning God taking up the blasphemer and the ungodly and washing them from their deepest sin. You know, amen. That sounded a lot like amazing grace. Yeah. To me, you know, a similar era of writing, right? Yeah. Yeah. John Newton's writing his letters, his uh, famous hymns and the Puritan writings are, have a similar 
candor and depth to them um, and, a, and a vigor that I think I find in my own prayer life. I struggle to, to have that kind of richness. Um, the only other area that I find like that kind of depth, and obviously this to a far greater extent, is the Psalms. Sure. Oh, um, sure. But in Absolutely. non-inspired literature, it's hard to find uh, other prayers of, of believers so well compiled that have such uh, passion yeah. and, and, and sound doctrine. How does this compare to the piercing heaven sure. prayers? Because I, I don't have that one yet, and I'm interested in obtaining that. It's very different than the, sure. than the daily prayer that I have with Calvin. Sure. Um, yeah. that's a whole different, that's a whole different feel and theme to that. Yeah. Um, that's almost like a devotional. So these are, this is arranged in a different setup. And while the Valley vision prayers don't necessarily have attributions, these have the like present, um, a prayer and then have, uh, the person who wrote it and then in the next just go right into the next one where the valley of vision is sure. broken up um every prayer gets you know a left and a right page sure. and they're all numbered and and but this is similarly organized i haven't gotten too far into it but so far i'm really really enjoying this uh from lexham press piercing heaven the prayers of the puritans okay. so yeah That's man good. So tonight, uh, we're going to be continuing our discourse on systematic theology, specifically theology proper or the study of God himself. Uh, last week, we discussed divine incomprehensibility. That is the idea that when we start theology, we have to start at the place that we recognize God is above and we are below. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Yes. And while we can know him in a true and meaningful sense, we can never fully comprehend him. Uh, and we have to start in Amen. that place of humility, right? We looked at the scriptural uses of anthropomorphic and anthropopathic language uh, about God that is attributing human physicality and emotion, uh, emotional traits to God uh, to help us understand true things about him. Uh, mm -hmm. We also looked at the ways that theologians describe God, that is the way of negation, the way of eminence and affirmation, negation, taking a concept we understand and applying a negative God is infinite. We are finite, right? Eminence, taking a concept we understand and applying to the to the greatest possible degree. Uh, we understand power. God is all-powerful. Uh, and affirmation, simply stating God is holy, just, righteous. Uh, and you'll see all these things in the scriptures as you continue to dive in, and you will also see them uh, in our in our confessions, in our theology. And finally, last week, well, we didn't get very far. We talked about uh, equivocal, <laughs> univocal, and analogical uses of language. Uh, the main point of those being that the Bible speaks with with regard to God analogically, yeah. uh, in that there's an analogy between uh, the, but it's in proportion to the object that it's presented. And the example of Sproul being uh, the good dog and the good neighbor, uh, the good dog, and obviously the terms are relative. Uh, in their application to uh, yeah. the object described. So that's what's going on last week. Justin, what are we going to try to talk about this week? <laughs> well, uh, we're going to jump into uh, God's communicable and incommunicable attributes. Oh, good. Uh, the things that we can, <laughs> right? The things that we can uh, understand, things that we cannot understand about God. Um, we're going to go into divine simplicity, which is incredibly significant and important, as well as classical theism. Um, I'm not going to spoil those for you yet, though. Uh, God's uh, aseity, or um, I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's how I've heard it pronounced. Uh, in other words, God's um, self-autonomy, uh, his independence, his self-sufficiency, independence, yep. uh, you know, minor minor things, and his transcendence. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to go into 
providence and the will of God. Um, and then again, at some point, we are going to announce the winner of our giveaway. So just, awesome. just keep staying tuned. It could be right now. It could be. It could be the next moment. But before we do that, uh, <laughs> do you want to get into, I had that quote from uh, last week, we, we cited Westminster Confession 2-1. Sure. And do you want to pick up 2-2 two, two before we jump into these other doctrines? Because yeah. I think, I think yeah, this I one starts to... I will to, definitely... Um, go ahead. I think this one starts to get into the stuff that we're going to discuss this week a little more. And sure. um, also, last week you were talking about how the the uh, London Baptist kind of switch. I find a lot of times they have the same content, but they spread it yes. out differently. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see where we end up. <laughs> uh, no, I will gladly read from the wrong, uh, the Westminster Confession. Here. <laughs> um, my my mouth is still watering from the Scotch. Same family. though, it's so good. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Westminster uh, Confession of Faith, uh, Chapter 2, Article 2. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through, whom, and to whom are all things. He hath most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatever, whatsoever himself pleaseth. And in the sight of all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon, uh, or, yeah, and independent upon the creature. I'll say it not. I read that as dependent. Yeah. No, is <laughs> uh, independent upon the creature, so as nothing to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all of his counsels, in all of his works, in all of his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience. He is pleased to require of them. Not Ooh. only does he require them, but he is pleased to require them. Yeah. Require us. Uh, wow, them. it's amazing amazing i love it yeah that's and i know the the london baptist has a very similar article um it does in that same concept fact <laughs> uh, but yeah so as we get into um communicable and incommunicable attributes uh in everyone's a theologian Sproul described incommunicable attributes as attributes that cannot be transferred in other words, they cannot be attributes of human beings. These can only be attributes of God versus communicable attributes, uh, where he says we can imitate God only because there are certain things about God that we have the ability to reflect. So there's heading into that, uh, you know, discourse, there's that distinction. Um, I have that Bobbing quote right there at the top there from Wonderful Works of God. Want to hit that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you do have Wonderful Works of God nearby, it's page 118. But he says here, the purpose for each of them is to insist on God's transcendence, his distinction from, and his elevation above the world, and on God's imminence, or his community with, and his dwelling in the world. I really like, in that chapter, he's it's in the chapter on uh, the being of God, and he talks about how different traditions will distinguish these, the ways of speaking about God differently. There's the, the Catholic way, there's the Orthodox way, there's the Lutheran way. Um, and in the Reformed tradition, they use these terms, incommunicable and communicable attributes. And I love the way Bob Inc. paints that there, that the incommunicable attributes um, insist upon God's transcendence, that sure. distinction from an elevation above the world, right? And then the communicable attributes show us also that God is eminent or imminent. His, he has community with and he indwells in the world. Um, yeah. And 
that we cannot have like we have to have both um, sure. we don't believe in in a divine clockmaker who's uninvolved <laughs> in the world and and likewise we don't believe in a god who is swayed by every wind of everything that happens or who's gaining information right like open the <clears throat> Hey, you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Any any immediate thoughts on that? Um, I, I think what that does for me is that paints a picture um, really of God's character in the way that he interacts with his creation. So that sets up a way for us to understand how we can relate and interact with God in a way that... It, because it's, it's hard to interact with... Uh, it would be hard to interact with God, for example, if he was uh, not imminent, <laughs> if he wasn't right. involved in and with creation, uh, what a hopeless state we would be in. Um, <clears throat> and then also um, still understanding uh, his position and our position, uh, understanding that we are this and he is like way up here. And so yeah. he's, he's here with us, but he's also so far superior to us. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great, I think Bobbing does a great, uh, like he always does every time he opens his mouth, uh, he, he, he just does an incredible way of communicating that to us. Sure. You want to hit that quote on, uh, transcendence from him? Sure. I would love to, uh, wonderful works of God, page 115, if you have it, um, which <laughs> I'm sure half the people listening to this podcast now, uh, from our group anyway, sure. probably have it. It keeps showing up now on our feed, which is That's awesome. Right. It's my favorite thing. Um, but he says, on the very first page of the Bible, the absolute transcendence of God above his creatures comes to our attention. Without strain or fatigue, he calls the whole world into existence by his word alone. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts uh, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth, uh, which is a reference, of course, to Psalms 33. Uh, and he speaks, and it is done. He commands, and it stands fast. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what what an incredible vision. Uh, and the beautiful thing is, th- these are not uh, incomprehensible at all as far as yeah. th- these particular... My son is not even quite four years old, uh, and he, he already understands this idea of God's transcendence. Uh, he'll say things to me like, man, God is so powerful. Like, all he, all he does is he says a word, and he makes us. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Like, you get it. You're three, and you get it. Um, it's, it's not a complicated, but as people do, we always overcomplicate everything. Um, but it, it's really a very simple truth. Uh, when, yeah. when you have a basic understanding of anything, right. <laughs> it, and it, you know, I think that's something that we see in contemporary circles though, of evangelicalism sure. is this push away from the transcendence of God to emphasize mm-hmm. his eminence at the expense of his transcendence. Oh, um, oh yeah. You know what so I'm saying? Good. Like, like there's, so there's, there's a tendency to, in, in evangelical circles, and we'll, yeah. you know, whether we get to these quotes today or not, uh, we'll see. Um, but in his book, All That Is In God, uh, Evangelicalism and the Challenge of Classical Theism, uh, James Dolezal addresses this issue. It, it, you know, he's more laser focused on a particular aspect of theology proper. Um, sure. But he points out that we we have this push to make the transcendence of God more palatable to our human understanding. Sure, sure. Um, and to, to Tozer ins- talks about that too. Yeah. The idea that we're tr- 
we try to we try to suck God down into our realm of understanding, right. uh, as though and if as if that isn't some incredibly arrogant thing to do, you know the the God of the universe uh, that creates everything by the breath of His mm. mouth, uh, and we're trying to examine Him under the microscope of our capabilities. Uh, what a joke, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, it's a very arrogant, a very arrogant uh, position to hold. Yeah, and and part of the problem is you start to devalue. When you devalue the transcendence of God, you ultimately compromise the holiness of God because yeah. the holiness of God is His set apartness. It's His otherness. It's the yeah. the which we'll get into this later about all of His attributes being His essence. But um, <laughs> very technical. But uh, the point of that is like His He's holy because He's holy other in that way. Uh, right. There's a quote from Augustine, I think it was, that I'm I'm just going to paraphrase, where he butcher basically it. says, yeah, it's my it's my skill. Professional <laughs> quote butcherer. <laughs> <laughs> what what cut what cut would you like today? <laughs> um, he basically says, uh, you know, I'm I'm aware of this being of God, and I and it makes me a shudder and a glow. A shudder insofar as it is not like me. And a glow insofar as that I, as I am like God, right? And that kind of gets into this communicable, incommunicable, right? There are sure. there are aspects of God's character that we're talking about that those traits, like God's transcendent, He's above the world, He's separated from it fundamentally because He's not creature, sure. He has no beginning, um, and that's not something that can be transferred or communicated to us. Like we can understand it conceptually, but right, we will never be a transcendent being, right? We will never possess the the attribute of transcendence. Um, anyways, <laughs> but <laughs> well, that's what I, we're talking I, about here, right? Right. That, that's, that's I, I love the, that too because it, it's a reminder that we're made in the we're made in the image of God. Yeah. So there are things about God that we can, I guess, in some way relate to because we're made in His image. But there's a significant difference between that and and. God being anything like us, <laughs> which he's not. Right. So, um, no, that's good. Yeah. it's good stuff. What do we got next on here is these uh, incommunicable oh, attributes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are looking at God's aseity. Yeah, I've always heard it aseity, but I'm sure that yeah, some, yeah. some some theology student is going to come. Tomato, potato, us. you know. That's right. <laughs> Bavink or Bavink. <laughs> Sprawl or Sprawl. No, not exactly. <laughs> Anywho, so what what is uh, aseity, Justin? Because I feel like that's just a fancy word. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, that is basically God's total uh, self autonomy, His independence. Uh, he is uh, self originating. He is uh, totally uh, without any. Um, uh, th- there's nothing that has any impact on God apart from God Himself. Uh, mm-hmm. He's t- He's totally autonomous. Uh, which is a concept that you and I can't even understand, can't even begin to right. grasp that concept. Because even in the most atheistic, naturalistic worldview, we are still totally in, uh, far from independent. We're totally dependent on oxygen, on uh, food, on water, on um, it, everything. And we are totally dependent beings. Uh, and ultimately, we are totally dependent on God for every breath that we take. Um yeah. And that is something that we can't even begin to comprehend the idea of what it would be like to be totally independent from anything. Right. 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 Um, he doesn't derive anything from anyone else. 
He's not dependent or contingent upon anything, which uh, says a whole lot about our, which plays, seriously, that plays a lot into our soteriology. Yeah. Uh, for example, yeah. uh, God's, God, if God is not dependent or contingent on anything for any reason, why then would we try to apply that in salvation? <laughs> right? Air raid well, siren incoming. <laughs> well, right? God is totally independent, except for saving you. He's waiting for you to make that decision. No, God, it's it's by his nature. That's right. He, he's, he's not contingent on anything. On anything. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's significant. Um, uh, Acts 17 says, In God we live and move and have our being. Uh, mm. that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful depiction of our dependence on God's independence. Right. <laughs> Dude, we're, we are throwing these quotes out there. Uh, but, but think about that. It's entirely because of God. We are anything at all. Yeah. Uh, totally, utterly dependent on him. Mm. Um, Every effect must have a cause, of course, uh, but not everything that is. God has no cause. Right. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, I think that that's something uh, Dr. Sproul talks about in Everyone's a Theologian. When he talks on this topic, he says, you know, one of the one of the classic atheistic arguments is going to be like, well, what caused God? It's like, well, no, 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 you, you've misframed the question. It's not it, the the philosophical maxim doesn't say everything that is must have a cause it's that every sure. effect must have a cause and right. i think this was um so augustine or aquinas the concept of the unmoved mover now i feel silly yeah it's one of one those of <laughs> one of those smart guys from a while ago but that's right that's that's god right he he doesn't he doesn't have a beginning he has no beginning and no end he you know and and there's an interesting dilemma here right because um Sometimes people will accuse of like, well, God made God. Well, no, 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 no. God isn't self-creating <laughs> right. because that would mean that he existed before he created himself. <laughs> right. That he, doesn't make like, any sense. Like we, need to, we need to get ourselves out of these temporal <laughs> or time-bound mentality. And we need to yeah. understand that, like, dude, I'm getting chills. The, the living God, <laughs> the creator of heaven and earth who breathed and the universe came into existence has no beginning no end he is self-existence he is pure being right there is well, no right. contingency in it right he just is in the he, beginning right. well how does right. he introduce himself to moses well <laughs> right i, I am that i, I am. am i am <laughs> right. there isn't and well, it's not look like at, hey, look at john yeah. look at john one in the beginning uh that in the in the greek what he's saying is as far back as you want to go not not like in the beginning when things were created, but mm-hmm. in the beginning, as far back as you can possibly imagine, and then some, uh, was the word, then the word was with God, and the word was God. So the triune God, <laughs> totally self-existent, has been there since before the beginning, 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 and you can go back as far as you want. Yeah. Um, God's uh, powers just... It's it's so immense, and in right. just thinking of eternity, that's also eternity is another one of those things that I think we we think we grasp, but we really don't, right? right? Uh, right. We 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 I think when people think eternity, they think going forward. Okay, there's never going to be an end, but how do you go backwards? <laughs> right. There was never a beginning. Right. God has just always been. He, I am. You well, know. See, I told you we were going to come back to this goofy <laughs> time comment that I made earlier, um, because this is exactly what Dolezal was getting at. 
with his concept of time, right? There's a, there's a saying, um, and I don't remember who said it. Uh, I heard it on an episode of the reform brotherhood that y'all should definitely go check out. Uh, but there is a, a a concept or a, or a notion that like time is the first creature or the first created thing, right? Because as soon as change is introduced, as soon as there's some sort of change in, in states, now okay. you have time because now yeah. you can measure it. But God is immutable. He doesn't change. <laughs> he is. Well, right. He's self-existent. <laughs> he was, he is, he is to come. Uh, he, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the alpha and the, and the omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, like, we could go on and proof text it or... You know, if you if you're familiar well, vaguely with the story of the Bible, you will see this throughout yeah. Scripture. Immutability is another one of those totally <laughs> ungraspable concepts, sure. right? Everything, right. for every second of every bit of our existence, we're in, we're changing, right? Like, like every part of us is changing, and even if we were somehow, the world around us is constantly in a state of change. Yeah. We don't have uh, a any sort of reference for that unchanging self-existence. Like, right. Right. <laughs> I, I, I have a beginning. I have a mother and a father. They had parents. They had parents, right? Like contingent, contingent, contingent. Uh, I right. eat food. I breathe air. I need light so that I can see what I'm doing. Like <laughs> how far do we want to go? Um, and yeah. ultimately, as you were saying, and, and as we need to remember in him, we live and move and have our being. It is by God's grace and God's power alone that we are able to be sustained. Well, um, and, and yeah. doesn't that make God just worthy of our praise, mm. right? Mm. Out of his good graces and his will and his love for us, he yeah. created us with the ability to worship him. Mm. Uh, if that doesn't drive you to want to worship God, yeah. then, I mean, you're, you're hecked. Because like... <laughs> Because, like, what an amazing and incredible... He creates us out of hey, nothing. don't swear on my Christian right? Minecraft server. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he creates us out of nothing f- for the purposes of worshiping him. Uh, we are born giving God the finger because we'd mm-hmm. rather do what we want. Uh, and he still uh, intervenes. Uh, mm-hmm. His eminence uh, is made known and that he gives us the opportunity to worship him uh, through the cross, um, he he became meek and lowly. Mm-hmm. The God of the this God that we're talking about, you and I are talking about this incredible, vast, sovereign, all powerful God becomes meek and lowly in the form of a man, in the form of a created being, because he loves sinners, and then like dies for them. <laughs> Right, he takes all of God's wrath on himself uh, for these contingent uh, beings that we are, and that's just if that's talk about being worthy of praise. My goodness gracious! Amen. It's a whole other, <laughs> whole other realm. Like this, and that's the thing about this this study of theology. The church has been wrestling and and diving deeper into this uh, for two thousand years. Yeah, and you know it, there's just so much richness and why is that it's not because theologians are smart although i think god has definitely gifted the church with some very good theologians throughout history who have defended the mm. faith who have who have 
expounded the scriptures to us. But why is it ultimately it's because the word of God is living and active and uh, is an unending treasure trove of depth. And why is that? Not because the Bible is is magical or is some kind of spell book or something, some bizarre little genie in a bottle. Spell book. Uh, No, but seriously, people treat the Bible in all these bizarre ways. The Bible is God's self-revelation. And it's living and active because his spirit quickens us to life. And then the spirit teaches us. So like, sure. (laughs) Right. Spirit, the spirit of God lives inside of the saints and teaches us the truth of who God is based upon his word. Like, well, consider, consider the act of how, how easily forgotten is prayer. Mm. Consider the act of prayer. We have the God of the universe. Hmm. He's given us his ear that we may speak to him and he listens. Okay. The Mm. God of the universe listens to your prayers and he cares about Mm. you and he, he loves you and he wants to, I'm speaking of course to those who love God. Uh, He, he, he deeply desires for our good and for our joy and our peace, the peace that uh, is beyond all understanding as scripture says that what, what an incredible access we have to this God. If, how different is that from these from these uh, these gods that the world has created that are just totally uninvolved? You know, um, we have a God who's personal, who who is involved, uh, but is also incredibly uh, independent and sovereign. So that like we don't have to worry about screwing anything up because He's got it under control. You know, right, right. The universe is upheld by His power. Right. <laughs> um, not only did He create it all. He sustains it moment to moment. Yes. By just his sheer act of existing. <laughs> like, think about that. Nothing in my life is sustained by my act of existing. If I don't put effort, like concerted effort, my house will be a disaster in three days because mm-hmm. uh, the dishes aren't going to do themselves. Uh, the, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. will, it will move from a state of, of uh, progress to a state of regress very quickly. And yet God... By his very act, by his very being, sustains all that is. Like, yeah. It, which gets into a few other of the incommunicable attributes. I'm going to try and run these a little quick so we can hit the communicable ones before we run out of time. Uh, we're definitely yeah. not going to hit everything on our list, but that's nope, okay. Not a chance. <laughs> uh, we tried. There was an attempt. Um, that's okay. It'll be part three. Um, but some of the other things which we've already hinted at that are incommunicable would be God's infinity, his eternality. His omnipresence, his, that is that he's everywhere present. His omnipotence is all powerful. Um, and in all that is in God, James Dolezal points out um, regarding infinity that classical, classic Christian theism maintains that God is in every way infinite. Yeah. So think about that. Every, in every way he's infinite. So first of all, infinite, just, just, to, just a refresher here on terms, uh, that means without end means, yeah. you know, Totally, totally, you know, to the, to the uh, greatest possible uh, and then some, like sure. there's no end yeah. to it. Right. And he yeah. is that in every way is the classical right. Christian doctrine. Right. So, yeah. so like, okay, my mind's blown. I can't even <laughs> wrap my head around, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then it says scripture te- or he's re- he goes on scripture teaches divine infinity when it speaks of God's greatness as exalted above all creation. God's glory is above the heavens from Psalm 8, 1 uh, and 148, 13. And the heaven of the heavens cannot contain him. That's 1 Kings uh, 8, 27. 
and Second Chronicles 2, 6, 6, 18. His greatness is unfathomable. Yeah. Psalm 145, 3. And no one can discover the limit of the Almighty. That's from Job 11, 7. <laughs> and Dolezal yeah. goes on and says, other passages that speak of God's infinity include those that attest to his fullness of being. God says to Israel in Isaiah 48, 12, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Uh, and in 40, 41, 4 and 44, 6, this fullness of being sets him apart from all false gods and indeed all finite beings of any sort. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, some of the incommunicable attributes of God. Now, before we totally run out of time, Justin, what are some of his communicable attributes and refresh <laughs> us on what that means? Because we're all a little mind blown after that. And I need another sip of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, God's communicable attributes, okay? So uh, what Sproul says in, uh, Sproul <laughs> says, and everyone's a theologian, uh, he says, we can imitate God only because there are certain things about God that we have the ability to reflect. So these are God's attributes that we are uh, not only necessarily able to reflect, um, or not only able to reflect, but that we're actually called to reflect, right? Um, yeah. So we're called to reflect, for example, God's holiness, mm. his love, his goodness, his justice, his righteousness, his wisdom. These are all things that, of course, we're told, okay, God says, be holy as I am holy, right? Um, well, we can only do that if we're able to do that, right? <laughs> so if we have some capacity uh, to yeah. be able to be holy, well, then let's be holy. Let's honor God. So we just talked about this God being totally worthy of praise, right? This unbelievable, incommunicable God that we can in no way truly grasp the character of, uh, yeah. only in parts and bits and pieces. Um, and so we know that we're, we're, we're like, we should be driven to praise just by the nature of who God is. Mm. So yeah. in that way, because of that, out of that, the outpouring of that should be, okay, well, in what ways can I reflect God? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I love God. I love this amazing, incredible, uh, this amazing, incredible, incomprehensible being that has, has sought so fit to create me. So the least that I can do is seek after holiness, seek after righteousness, seek after uh, basically the heart of God so that I can reflect yeah. what he's done for me to the world uh, so that I can point to all these other people and say, look, look at what God has done. <laughs> you know, look at this glorious creator. Mm. Please, like I beg you, look at him because he offers something that only he can offer. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, of course, there's so much more that we could get into. But Well, I think, uh, we, yeah, I think you made a good point, though, about that. Yeah. that the, as far as the communicable attributes, before we jump into the last piece of the episode today, sure. um, like I, I, really, I really like that you made the point that not only are they communicable to us in that we're able to imitate God, but that we should imitate God right. in these things. That these are areas that as Christians, as born-again people that have been regenerated by the Spirit, now not only should we, but we have the ability to because the Spirit dwells within us, because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. It's amazing, right? Uh, God exists and thus is worthy of praise. Mm. He says, do these things, even though you're not going to be able to do them perfectly, do them anyway, and you really can't, so I'm going to dwell in you Right. So that you are able to do the thing that you're mm. unable to do on your own because you're entirely contingent on me to mm. exist. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, the, the, it's amazing. even though the, 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 the father 
and child imagery ultimately does have limits because mm-hmm. even you as a father to, to Levi are contingent yes. uh, and have, right? But there is a beauty in that, in the way that you guide your son around and you you help him up and you help him to do things that he could never do on his own. Um, sure. And you find joy even when he stumbles along following his father's footsteps, right? Yeah. And so how much more the great God of the universe who not only holds our hands, but to what indwells us by this, like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> to those who aren't on Patreon, uh, you can't see, but Justin and I keep doing the, the mind blowing expression and just right. like, <laughs> Oh man. Well, let's, let's try to wrap, try to wrap this up talking about, you know, a little, little tiny, um, concept about the will of God. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> or, or we could, uh, yeah, we got to. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, y'all sign up God, for right? an episode about theology proper. Just strap <laughs> in. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so of course, there's God's secret and hidden, and hidden will. Okay. God uh, does all things according to his will, all things happen according to the will of God. Uh, there are things clearly we don't know about right. God's will. Okay. Sure. We, we don't know anywhere near everything. And so naturally, uh, God has a plan from the beginning to end uh, of the universe uh, and its existence. He knows what's going to happen. We don't. Uh, but then, of course, uh, God saw fit uh, in his mercy uh, to reveal some of his will to us, right? So there is kind of a threefold uh, will that we can understand. Uh, there's his decorative will, right? So... Um, Sometimes referred to his uh, referred to as his sovereign or efficacious will, uh, by which God brings things to pass. Um, he's pleased, he, you know, he's pleased by his divine decree. We we see this in the confessions. He decrees uh, the end from the beginning, um, the creation of the world, and all this stuff. Let there be light. Okay, that's a decorative. Uh, that's the decorative will of God. So there, that that's the will of God that we can clearly see laid out in Scripture. Uh, the things that He has decreed. Uh, following up with that, we also have the perceptive will of God, uh, as it relates to the revealed commandments, uh, and the law, for example. Um, we understand what God desires of us because of what he's given us. He's given us the law. He's given us the prophets. He's given us Mm. his word. Uh, and so we can see, okay, well, we can perceive what God desires for our lives based on what he's written in his law, um, which, uh, as reformers, we would say that is uh, authoritative uh, versus somebody who might say, well, God has revealed to me specifically uh, some additional things. Well, d- d- does that at least match up with what God's perceived will is? So um, sure. uh, so we have the perceptive will of God. Okay, we, we can understand and observe what God desires for us based on his word. And then there is the permissive will of God. Uh, the last of this uh, trifecta, so to speak. Um, the things, for example, that uh, often end in peril, right? What things does God allow uh, to happen? Um, sure. God is not the author of sin, but yeah. he has permitted to allow sin to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Satan didn't rebel uh, because God was like, you're going to rebel, but he allowed that to happen, okay? You and I do stupid things, all the time, God allows those things to happen, but all we we can trust uh, in the promises of God. We know that all things um, uh, happen according uh, uh, to God's will, and and we also know that He allows these things 
for his glory and for our good. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to be sanctified and we're going to give glory to God based on the things that he permits. Um, uh, Sproul talks about this when he's talking about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. You know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. as though God uh, wrought evil uh, into the heart of Pharaoh, but he simply released his hand. You know, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, what did what happened there? What was the change? Well, God just said, okay, you know, right. uh, go for it. <laughs> uh, right. Romans talks about this, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, he turns them over to their own lusts and desires. Right. Um, so God permits these things to happen uh, for his, his purposes. Uh, again, he permits them to happen according to his secret hidden will <laughs> that we don't sure. necessarily grasp. Right. So, and, and, and I think another, so obviously whenever we talk about God, we, we are careful in the use of analogies, particularly sure. as we get into certain doctrines. But when we talk about this with the wills, I think an analogy that does hold some water because we're using ultimately, ultimately this is all anthropopathic language, um, to help us understand the infinite God. Um, but this is like, a, you know, this is a really poor analogy, but it's like a parent who gets up and, you know, Saturday morning and tells their kid, hey, you got to do all these chores. So there's the the prescriptive will. Yeah. What the kid doesn't know is that the parent is going to take them to get ice cream in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> they're, di- you know, right, right. They're, they're descriptive, right. So, so you have the secret will or the hidden will and then the prescriptive will. Uh, and then the kid um, being a child will start and then will rebel and obviously there's a, this is where the analogy falls apart because the parent doesn't actually have sovereign authority over the children, but sure. the parent allows it. They don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't intervene right away. They let the kid goof off a little and then they, you know, they come in and say, hey, you know, you got to get this done. They remind them of their prescriptive will. They, they're chastised. They come back into it. And then at the end, they bring them into this uh, thing with the, with the ice cream, which was their secret will that they didn't tell their kid. They surprised them with it. And the kid didn't know that. The kid also didn't know that the parent was dealing with paying their taxes that day and do like all these things that were going on totally outside of their scope of, of their world. Right. And I think that's, you know, it's a very faulty analogy, but it helps us to understand that this isn't, we're not describing schizophrenia within God. We're describing different ways that the word will is used uh, because oftentimes I see it gets collapsed in evangelical God has several several wills, you know, it's, it's it's a way of describing different aspects of how God wills. And I think that anthropomorphic language, (laughs) in this case, I think it might be anthropopathic, which is like applying human emotions and thoughts. But anyways, uh, Um, I think you have a a catechism to talk about the will of God. Uh, You know, uh, we started with the Westminster, so I figured we'd end with the Baptist catechism. My man. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of God's will and his decrees, it says the the question is, what is, what are the decrees of God? Uh, The answer, of course, is the decrees of God are his eternal purpose, according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory, he has foreordained whatsoever come to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it references Ephesians 1, Romans 11, and Daniel 4. Um, again, that, that comes back to the idea that God has decreed all things because of his will, or uh, his, all the different will that we spoke about, uh, sure. for his glory, um, because he can. <laughs> Well, I think that gets to, right, the, the scriptures say, he he says, I declare the end from the beginning. Right. 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 Uh, and then Ephesians, right, he predestined us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Right. Like, that just, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and finally, in light of that, to, to wrap up, we are literally, we're, we're halfway through our notes. Yeah. So uh, we, this will definitely be part two of three, uh, but that's okay. 
God is infinite yeah. in being and we are finite and we're going to do our best to uh, keep this episode finite. So finally, and certainly not least, but um, interestingly, something that I was very, very zealous for for a little while. And then now I've just come to rest in it and not be so um, aggressive about it is sure. uh, the doctrine of providence, right? Which is essentially God's governance of the universe mm. and and history and, you know, all of time. Um and one thing to, that we need to remember in this, and Romans 8 tells us this in no uncertain terms, God works together all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means every tragedy, every circumstance of life, ultimately, for the believer, is for good. Right. And, right. P- Piper and, has a sermon on this where he yeah. specifically says, you know, every uh, suffering that we endure uh, at the hands of uh, the fallen world or the fallen man uh it's not meaningless. Right. There's a purpose. There's going to be glory to come right. because of our suffering. Right. And right after that, Paul asks us, if God is for us, who then can stand against right. us? Right. And uh, and that's really ultimately providence comes into that. We have this sense in which God is eminently for his people and he is. So circumstances unfold. That's why you hear us say, we don't say luck. We don't say, oh, that was lucky or that was Oh, good chance. Like nothing happens. <laughs> I like, I love Sproul's rant about this and I'll do my best worst impersonation. Um, where he says, you know, by anything, by chance, chance can do nothing <laughs> because chance is nothing, right? Like chance is just that. a description of mathematical probabilities. And so in itself, it's yeah. a harmless thing. But when we say that things happen by chance to quote Sproul, uh, there's no such thing. And he wrote a book right. about it called Not a Chance. But from a philosophical standpoint and from a theological standpoint, we don't have room for chance as a category of something to impose uh, action. Chance sure. is just a description of mathematical possibilities. It doesn't have any power because it's not a thing. So the universe couldn't come into being by chance. There has to be power. Uh, and that's where Sproul goes into that description of God's aseity, that, that there had to be a being with the very power of existence within itself within himself in that case. Uh, and so in Providence, we understand that God is governing history. We see this when we look through the Old and New Testament. It's right. crystal clear, right? What is it they say in the book of Acts? This Jesus who you put to death by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, right? Even the wickedness of the, of the men, that they put the, they put the Savior, they put Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, to death because ultimately of God's plan. It wasn't like they were acting uh, out of out of step, and yet they are still responsible for their own evil in that action, right? And that's where we get right. into first secondary causes, whole different thing. Uh, and then you had another comment in here on providence that I liked. The little abstract piece. Yes, the abstract principles of 1858 uh, says this, God from eternity decrees or permits all things that come to pass perpetually upholds directs and governs all creatures and all events yet so as to not in any wise be the author or approver of sin nor to destroy the free will and responsibility of intelligent creatures um again uh that's not saying we have libertarian free will (laughs) uh in that we can do things that are pleasing to god apart from god uh but in other words, uh, it's just speaking specifically of the idea that we can act freely. We have free agency to act within our nature sure. um, so that God is not the author of our sin. 
Um, so that's just that's a whole different episode that we'll get into probably when we talk about anthropology and the nature of man from a theological standpoint um, and how we get into that but that said justin as we wrap up here do you have any book recommendations for folks that they can dive in a little bit further after this uh our our second attempt to cover this in a single episode and just proving our finitude that we have to split this into three episodes (laughs) and and this is an overview yeah yeah well of course uh we have been primarily quoting from all that isn't god by james dolezal uh, again, we can't recommend that enough for this particular topic. Um, and then, of course, Bobbing's Wonderful Works of God uh, is just an incredible uh, systematic uh, layout of theology. Yeah. Um, so pick up both of those if, uh, if you enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, Blake, um, to summarize uh, this, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's close by um, uh, doing what we promised <laughs> and announcing... Finally, uh, the winner of our giveaway, if you would be so kind. All right. Well, thank you again to everyone who participated. The rules of the giveaway were simple. Join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, and leave at least one comment during our live video. And you all were zealous for that, and we are super appreciative of your engagement. And we hope to do another one at some point uh, and and have even more comments and engagement. And uh, it was just super great. But the winner of our first ever Distilling Theology giveaway is Naomi. And we will tag you, Naomi, in the Facebook group uh, so that your uh, name shows up and uh, you can message us. We'll reach out to you to send you the giveaway goods. But congratulations, you will be receiving a Distilling Theology Glencairn very rare these days and a <laughs> copy of everyone's a theologian by rc Sproul and a field guide to whiskey by hans aprena we are really thrilled thank you again to everyone who participated thank you to our patreons who helped make this possible um mm-hmm. ultimately we love doing this podcast we are blown away by the response that we've had and really the thing with patreon is it it helps us to cover the costs of hosting hosting the audio files, hosting the website, hosting the domain. And then also we're going to be setting up our online store and it costs money to host the store, um, getting the merch temped out and, and, and figuring out how we want it to work. All that costs money. So uh, thank you. Huge thank you again to everyone on Patreon um, for helping to support us in that and, and making that possible. And Justin, if someone did want to join our Distilling Theology family, how would they do that? Well, there are a number of ways to do that, Blake. I'm glad you asked. Pray do tell. <laughs> uh, no, uh, obviously we want you to like our social media, uh, mm. get in the Distilling Theology Facebook group. We have a lot of fun conversations there. Um, Big facts. And it's growing. It's it's probably, um, not to pat myself on the back and you on the back, uh, but it really is one of the most entertaining uh, Facebook groups that I'm in. Everybody is super cool. Uh, mm. There's like no... We hardly have to do any administering of the group because everyone just kind of takes care of themselves. They're all great. Um, so uh, hit us up on there. Uh, obviously, we are on Instagram, uh, which looks fire. Um, mm-hmm. So get on there uh, and, uh, and see some of the things. We're starting to share uh, photos that are sent to us, which are really good. Mm-hmm. So um, use that hashtag yeah. distilling the theology on yes. your uh, Instagram photos of your theology books, your Bibles, your distilled spirits, your cocktails. And uh, if it looks cool, we'll we'll repost it probably. Yeah, and then also um, uh, go on our uh, website, distillingtheology.com, and there is a link to our Patreon if you want to sign up for less than a cup of a really expensive uh, <laughs> Starbucks latte uh, a month. Um, it's not really expensive. Uh, 
uh, $3.99 a month, you can hop on there and you can join us and support us so that we can do things like uh, merch, like Blake was saying, which would be really cool. Um, and then you'll get, uh, what's it, like almost almost 50 different posts around there now uh, for our patrons. And um, you get to vote on stuff. Uh, there'll be some more exclusive stuff for you there uh, as far as like special episodes and behind the scenes and stuff. Um, and recently, what did we have on there? We had some uh, some yeah, admins join we us. Did. We had some of our Facebook group admins come on and talk. Uh, guys smarter than us, uh, naturally. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. For sure. And yeah, so so do that. Do those things. Yeah, man. And uh, smash that like button and hit subscribe. Oh, wait, this is YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that bombshell, next week, join us for episode 23, which now is going to be part three of our discussion <laughs> on theology proper. Uh, yeah. As you can tell, it's, it's a topic we're passionate about, and neither of us have any desire to rush through it, ultimately. Um, yeah. Because it's a disservice to you and ultimately to, to this topic. And frankly, like the podcast is just kind of us as two buddies sipping whiskey and talking theology. So we're going to keep yeah. the pace uh, as we see fit. So next week, episode 23, uh, Theology Proper Part Three, and we will be yeah. sipping blackened whiskey, which is a crossover whiskey with Metallica. That was um, a, a project of the late Dave Pickerel, who was something of a legendary figure in the American distilling world. I actually got to meet him at a whiskey tasting what? event a week before he passed. Uh, oh which man, was crazy! That's, That's a story nuts. that I will tell next week and remind us all uh, of our finitude um, and of the grace of God. So, Justin, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink. Do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria.